So I'm here with uh, Craig Bartlett, creator of Hey Arnold and many others um, at the Jim Hansen studio. So first, we're going to yeah reminisce on how we met. We were saying we met on, right. on Rugrats. So we met on Rugrats in 91. In 91, yeah. And I, that was my last year with Rugrats before I left to do a movie. And so I couldn't, I, as much as I love being the story editor of Rugrats, and I also got to well, direct. That's what, that was your job was. Yeah, story, story editor yeah. and uh, hired by Paul Germain. Mm -hmm. And very early on the show, Paul and Gabor and Arlene created it, and Peter Chung uh, directed yeah. the first, the pilot. The pilot, yeah. And then he, he left and went over, he went back to Korea and he did some, he ended up doing Eon Flux after that, but wait a minute. No, no I, think, I, I think so. Yeah, after that, for MTV, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, but, but for Peter, here we were making this, you know, Rugrats, what a crazy show. Like, nothing like it on TV. Uh -huh. When it appeared on TV, it, I think that's why it won the Emmy in that first season. It just didn't look or sound <laughs> anything like what else was being made. We thought it was pretty funky. I remember thinking, man, this is, this is rough. Yeah, yeah, the first time I saw it, they showed me it's the like, pilot. Oh, oh, boy. That's the weird style. And, and, uh, but for Peter, it was already going to be too commercial. He wanted to do something weirder than, <laughs> than Rugrats. So he finished that pilot and said, well... I'm going to move on. And Gabor and Arlene said, please stay. You know, they knew, you know, Peter's an amazing talent. Uh -huh. They really wanted him. But he said, i tell you what, I'll make you a main title and I'll, I'll draw you some art packs. Like, I'll, I'll do turns. Not really, not really turns, more like expression pages uh -huh. of the main characters. And he, he made a little book, which was cool because Peter's take on Rugrats was more extreme than the way it turned out. Yeah. So yeah. it was cool to see a really intense Peter version of how to pose the characters. And he had a lot of rules. He's like do's and don'ts about Tommy. He's like, Tommy would not be like, aha. Like, uh -huh. he's, a, he's a baby. You know, he, yeah. he said, Tommy's moves would be more kind of wacky and kind of stumbling around and, and wouldn't do the following like adult thinking. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when, once it got going, nobody cared about those things. Yeah, you, but you can tell when you watch the opening credit. Yeah. The posing of the characters oh, yeah. is very different. The main type, beautiful. And right yeah. and the camera angles are way yeah. more extreme. And Peter basically animated that whole main title yeah. personally. He drew the whole thing. Uh -huh. So his brilliance is you get to see it every episode. Yeah. So that's cool. But that's when I got there. And by the time we met, what, when did you come on? I think I came on, I'm not sure. I, I want to say that's like the spring or something. And I didn't okay. By so summer. you had been there for like yeah. after a year or something? Yeah, like we started in August before that. Oh, okay. August of 90. Uh, just to basically, what had happened was Paul gave me the call. He said, come come and uh, be a story editor on, on Rugrats if, if you can you know join us. We just got picked up. So the, he and Gabor and Arlene and Peter had made that pilot. They took yeah. it to, to New York, showed it to Nickelodeon. They said, okay, we're greenlighting a 13-episode order. <laughs> so I was hired to start that 13-episode order, and it was me and Paul in an office for a while. And I'm trying to think who else was there. Peter was around, but he was already phasing out. And he was so intense. He, Peter would like fall asleep on his desk, sleep all night, and I'd come in the morning and walk into his office. He'd go, duh! I woke him up. <laughs> he was there. So he was just there, like, okay, I'll help you for a little while. And I guess that meant working 24 uh -huh. hours a day. God. And we were, you know, so, then Paul and I sat there and cracked those stories. So how did you know stories. Paul from before? Paul had been uh, uh, working over at Gracie Films for Jim uh -huh. Brooks. 
Yeah. On the Tracy Ullman show, and Paul was like a you know junior associate producer mm -hmm. or something, and um, on Tracy Ullman, when they said let's get let's bring little animated shorts on here, yeah. Paul was the one I think who went out looking for pitches, and so um, ah. Matt came and pitched. There was a, there were a couple other shorts on Tracy Ullman, and it started that way. At first, you'd see every other episode, you'd see a different one of those artists doing their little shorts. Yeah. And then they realized the Simpsons yeah, were blowing yeah, yeah. up, and so the other shorts went away. Oh, yeah. So, so by the end of Tracy Ullman, it was just Simpsons. Was just Simpsons. Yeah. Yeah. And they actually made a few, you know? Yeah. So I think Paul produced those. Huh. And so he found Klasky Chupo by doing that, and it was hilarious. It was like Klasky Chupo was just the lowest bidder. You know, <laughs> they simply said, oh, we'll do it for the least amount of money, and they got the gig. And it, that crew, that was Wes Archer, David Silverman, Oh God, Bill Cop! It was like a, a really cool lineup of indie I animators. Yeah. I think probably all out of Cal Arts. I'm going to uh -huh. so yeah. Speaking of, you know, <laughs> kids right out of Cal Arts getting yeah. their first gig, and you know, Wes and David went on to do. God, I don't know. David, I think, is still doing something at Simpsons 25 years uh -huh. later. But you, you knew Paul from where? Yeah, Paul that? was since he was. Because Paul was your your. Entry into he was my entry into, right? yeah. into Rugrats. Paul was had worked on Simpson Minutes with Matt Groening, who was my brother-in-law. Uh -huh. So I met Paul like at Through parties, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so Paul and I had met and become friends. And he he invited me over, just like, oh, you should meet. He told Gabriel, you should meet him. He's an indie uh -huh. animator too. <laughs> so thank God, that was like a super lucky connection. Yeah, from which everything happened because they brought me to Klasky Chupo. I got to get into Rugrats, and I'd been working in 3D. I'd been, I mean, in not 3D uh, CGI, but but like uh, stop motion mm -hmm. model making animation. And so, you know, I came to LA to do the Penny cartoon for Pee Wee's Playhouse. Oh yeah, yes, that's and what so, people on Rugrats used to talk about. That yeah, you were right, like right before you were yeah. working yeah. for Pee Wee. Pee -wee had just happened, yeah. exactly. And we all loved that show. So yeah, that was a me big... too. My job before that was a clay animator in Portland mm -hmm. for Will Vinton. Oh. And when Pee Wee started, when it came on TV. Like the next Monday, everybody was like, whoa, did you see Pee-wee's Playhouse? That's incredible. And we started watching every Saturday and coming to work on Monday going, oh, man, that's the, this, this happened, that happened. And I remember Will Vinton didn't like Pee-wee. He's like, when he would hear us say, he's like, ugh, you know, I can't stand that guy. And, and we, were, I mean, we immediately were like, oh, no, I guess I got to get out of here because this amazing show is happening in, in somewhere else. And uh, I need to become part of that. Yeah. So three of us left Wills that it was the second season. Pee Wee played in New York. It was made in New York. And then it played it played season one. And then Paul Rubens kind of had a falling out with that New York company. Mm -hmm. Came to L.A. and set up again here in Hollywood. Oh. We were at Hollywood, uh, Hollywood Center Studios down by Gower. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And... Uh, Uh, they built a new playhouse set and they said we're just going to recrew and so they needed us to do the penny cartoons because the year before the Ardman people you know the yeah. Wallace and Gromit people had made the original pennies ah. it's Peter Lord and David Sproxton and, uh, and they Peter God, was it Peter Anderson yeah, David Anderson anyway these guys all uh, you know they were the Ardman guys and mm -hmm. Paul had them come out to New York and they stayed for a few months and made all the pennies and and also made weird little transition pieces 
that if you watch that season one, there's like cool, <laughs> completely high uh, clay animation. It's a very artsy show. Every yeah, second of so, it. You know, there's so, so many different styles. And I think when, when Pee Wee came on and I saw it for the first time, I think that was one of those like mm-hmm. earthquake moments because that main title, Mark Mothersbaugh's music. Oh yeah, already, yeah. And it's that he's doing that kind of quiet village, like <laughs> exotica, and that, that long rotating shot around the play. I was just like, I'm in. Whatever this <laughs> is, I'm gonna watch this. I thought it was so cool. And that I, there was that thing, like some, something really hip is happening somewhere. Yeah. I gotta be part of that. And that's what brought me to LA. So how did you, how did you get into animation in the first place? Like play animation or whatever. The animation world, is it something you always wanted to do or is it something you stumbled upon? Yeah, I did stumble on it. Yeah. And I, I felt like getting here and getting to work here, I really stumbled into it. It yeah. came in the back door. Like I know we were talking about how uh, there is a traditional way to get into animation yeah. in Los Angeles. You can go to, grow up here and go to Cal Arts, uh-huh. study all of the stuff we're doing and, and get out completely qualified to go to work yeah, on exactly. a crew. Did you, yeah. Learn how to storyboard. And I... I um, I didn't, I didn't do that. I, I grew up in uh, Seattle, and then I was in, uh, we moved from Seattle to the way out in the country, um, in northern Puget Sound. I kind of lived on the beach as a, as a teenager, very far from media. But you liked drawing as a kid? You yeah, I was drawing, a, I wanted to be an artist. Or, yeah. All that stuff, got all that reinforcement as a kid, drew all the time. People in school would be like, Craig draws, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, so I was equipped to, to go study animation, but didn't know anything about it. And so I studied traditional art. When I graduated from high school, I went to an art school in Portland, uh, studied traditional art, painting, sculpture, went abroad, did a year in Italy, just thinking, oh, I guess I'll be like a painter. Uh-huh. And it wasn't until I kind of got back from the travels and I was like, couldn't graduate. I, I didn't know, I kind of had lost my connection to the Portland Art School. And I thought, I, I need to come up with more of a trade. I, I don't think I'm going to be a, like a fine art painter. I need to do something that's a little more uh, realistic, get a job kind of thing. And uh, that was when I uh, started to see the, those really cool experimental animated films that would play once a year in Portland. They were called the Tournées of Animation. Mm-hmm. And also, it was before, even before Spike and Mike, but they were on the horizon. They were going yeah. to be showing up very soon. But those things, touring animation shows where you'd see weirdo indie animation, those completely worked for me. I was like, wow, it's like painting. So you can tell they're made out of paintings or, you know, or, yeah. or stop motion. I saw Closed Mondays with yeah, yeah. Will Vinton's big Oscar winning claymation film. I saw, I was like, man, I get this. It looks like sculpture and painting, but it's funny. It's kind of weird. It's experimental. There's a always really cool experimental soundtracks. I love the music yeah. of it. And I, so it looked like something you could do. I really Not did. something like... Exactly. Really that's when, I, when I looked at the kind of art that was playing in New York and, mm-hmm. and the art scene, I was like, oh, brother, I, yeah. I don't feel connected to this or that I could really execute mm-hmm. this. But when I saw the indie animation, I thought, I'd love to yeah. try that. And so I really lucked out. I finished... I went to Evergreen for the last Evergreen State College in Washington at Olympia. I finished there because that was like a famous uh, weirdo hippie college where there were no grades and you could have access to equipment. <laughs> so I went there and you know taught myself animation and made a couple of weird shorts and showed them to Will Vinton in the fall in in the fall of of uh, 1980. Oh, 
I I finished at Evergreen that summer, and in the fall of 1980, I, I went to Portland and I literally just went and knocked on Will's door and night at his studio. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Cold <laughs> called him at the studio. Uh, Patty Patty Graining was working in the front office as a sec- as his office manager. Huh. She was very nice. Said, um, "Listen, this is what we do. Uh, that you'd meet with Barry Bruce and he would." Uh, give you some clay and ask you to make an audition sculpture. And so I did. I met Barry Bruce and he gave me some clay and sent me on my way. And I went on down to California and looked for work down here. I went to Hollywood and no idea. Yeah. Literally going around you like knocking on doors. Yeah. I didn't know anybody. And nothing. And I came back to Portland two weeks later and I had sculpted a little bust of a huh. head. And I dropped it off and she was a patty like, oh yeah, I remember you. Okay, I'll, I'll <laughs> see that they get it. And they called me, Will called me like, ah, I think, I think while I was still hanging around in Portland, I had friends there, I'd gone to school there. I think they called and said, come in and Will and, and Barry will meet with you. And we had a meeting and they decided I was not crazy and an okay guy. And they <laughs> hired me. And that job, you know, I started everything. So Will hiring me in Portland and, and solid, like all through the rest of the 80s, I was so that's doing like claymation yeah. for him. Late 80s, Pee-wee started. I left Portland to go. So you were building and filming and yeah, writing the, some stuff? The job or, yeah. for Will was a complete filmmaking apprenticeship. Yeah, it was like a small shot place. in 35mm with, with old Mitchell cameras mm-hmm. that, that advanced one frame at a time. They all had a big 35mm magazine that you, you'd load. They had a dark room. We'd get the film stock and load our, our mag, and that was ours. And you went out into the studio and there were sets were several sets going at once and you'd load your camera uh-huh. but you, you took that mag off and be like I'm bringing the film into the dark room I'm going to download it into a can and take it to the lab which was across the street yeah. the, the lab was filmation of, no that wasn't what it was called tech tech yeah something yeah, yeah. across the street and uh, <laughs> they they would uh, uh, they would process the film and I'd pick it up the next day we'd get these little short dailies your scene might be just a few feet long and we'd cut them into the the big reel of the Mark Twain movie that started like storyboards. It was like the way you build off an animatic too. Yeah, like, yeah. Started with storyboards and a lot of reference film. Will would shoot black and white reference film of the of the actors speaking, oh. so that when you animated it, we had little yeah, for the mask. Little, yeah, a little yeah. movieola kind of frame uh-huh. analyzer. And uh, so we break down the lip sync by one frame at a time of the the reference yeah. film and scoped it. So we did all that stuff. We built sets and melted clay and, uh-huh. you know, uh, built armatures. The armatures were made of lead and lead wire and brass fittings. And we'd be out there with a solder torch. So you did that for how long? Basically just claymation stuff, Yeah, just right? claymation. No, he, hired no me, he hired me in January of 82. And I stayed there all through the rest of the 80s. I left in 88 to come down to move here. Mm-hmm. But I, even then, I still... Came back and in the you know I once in a while yeah. come shoot a commercial for him or something yeah, yeah, yeah. through the rest of the eighties and, and by, after that, by nineteen ninety that Rugrats stuff had happened and I was gone you know I, yeah, yeah I had I had a, a, the, the goal that I wanted to accomplish was to make it out of stop motion because I thought what if there's no stop motion work I, <laughs> I got to learn the the clay you know the cell animation yeah. seems more viable yeah so, so that's not that's not a huge market for <laughs> yeah and for interestingly animation. as we speak in twenty nineteen. There's an explosion of yes, stop motion yes, in LA. Yes. LA has become a... And with computer health. It's and, so yeah. cool. I, I'm kind of thrilled about that. Because yeah. we all love the handmade stuff. Yeah. It's just, it's hard to make a living. Yeah. 
So you did. So then when he came here, you, you tried to make a switch to sell like 2D animation. Yeah. Animation. So I, what was your first I, thing? I brought... Where did you go? Yeah, you, when, did I, you know when I came LA? here, uh, to move here, uh, they had gotten another season of Pee Wee. So I worked for a few weeks right when I got here, um, animating for Pee Wee. And uh, then that ended. So it was like, great, I moved to LA and now I got nothing. <laughs> and I, I did a couple things. Uh, <clears throat> I ended up at Klasky Chupo, but not until 1990. Yeah. So in the intervening year, two years, I uh, worked for a guy named Bob Rogers who has a company mm. in Burbank that does uh, special venue films, like World's Fair films. Oh. And so that was what was funny about it. Those were crazy format. Like the first job was in Osaka and it was a, a World's Fair uh, with uh, Toshiba robots doing something. And we, we did animation that interacted with the robots. You know, crazy like pavilion. Like, like yeah, like 2D, yeah. 3D. It was uh-huh. very weird. And... Uh, the next job I got was in 91, where Bob asked me if I wanted to go to Spain and shoot a, a 360 movie. And I was like, yeah, of course. And yeah, I had yeah, started Rugrats. You mentioned that on Rugrats. Yeah, you mentioned I, that. I was working on Rugrats first season. Yeah. So that was actually kind of a bummer. I had just gotten my first real cell yeah. cartoon job, and I was my first real writing job. You know, being a story editor meant uh, screenwriting, which yeah, was really not... skateboard. Did you put a camera on a yeah, skateboard? Yeah, that's right. Do you remember that yeah. poster? Yeah. Yeah, we put the camera yeah. on a skateboard, and yeah, the, the premise was it was a 360 <laughs> camera, ridiculous, I'd have to draw you what this thing looked like, a ridiculous <laughs> camera, with that huge <laughs> lens that was like a custom ground lens uh-huh. from Japan that pointed straight down, and it, it was so wide it saw behind itself, <laughs> it was like a mega wide lens, and it made a little donut of film on 70 millimeter, 10 perf 70, it made a little donut of image which had to be projected by a custom projector, uh-huh. In a, in a theater. So you had a kind of a seamless 360, but it was very low res. So it kind of looked like you were watching a, almost like a Super 8 movie. Uh-huh. And I was like, this is the weirdest <laughs> format ever. And we just, we decided we'd, we'd get really punk with it and put it on skateboards. And, and uh, yeah, so that was what I did. And I remember was, you were showing us also a little film that you did. I always, re- I always remember that film. From downtown or from the beach, going to oh, Sunset Oh, you saw Boulevard. that? That's oh, yeah. so cool. I'm so I glad never you saw forgot it. that little film. Yeah, so also, that's what people did a lot of stuff recently. Yes, like, we were stuff, we were just like yeah, on the hood of a car or on we the were dashboard. like camera nerds. Oh, we we the whole we, sunset or Wiltshire or something. We did. That was it. It was sunset. From yeah. sunset begins in Chinatown yeah. and ends it tees at the Pacific Coast yeah. Highway. And so the goal so was, amazing. I'll start at the beginning of, of sunset and ride yeah. all the way to the beach. Time lapse. Yeah, is that so on Time lapse. It was shooting like a frame a second. Yeah, and I drove. At, uh, I drove the, my my Honda uh-huh. <laughs> the whole way, and the goal was to not stop. <laughs> yeah, did, did, is that on YouTube? Is that, is that no, I, you should. It's I should. Great. I should dig it up and try yeah. to do something with it. Because the I music's by Mark Mothersbaugh. <laughs> Mark Mark was working on Rugrats, and I uh-huh. I was I said, Hey, Mark, you know, yeah, he was yeah, scoring course, for yeah. us. I said, Hey, do you mind? Would you be interested in scoring a little indie film for me? He said, yeah. Sure. So I, yeah, it's stupid that I didn't finish it. The reason I never finished it was. I wanted to put drivers in, in there too, so it was like you, oh, were, yeah. you were like in the back seat, and there was a couple of people. Oh, I see. It's like a superimposed, like a front. Yeah. I just thought it would give it some yeah. more. Like when you you're know? in the car. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, my efforts to do it, I tried to do some kind of, you know, special effects. Now it'd be super easy. Now yeah. you can just do it all digitally on a 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those things. I should just see. I don't know where all that material is. You could, you could do it now. Yeah. Dig it up and do it now. Because it's funny, people are in real time in the car, but the, the yeah. one thing outside is is flying by. Right. That was the idea. <laughs> So when you left, so then you left work, right? like I remember, I right. came, like we said, I, I think I started on, in the spring. Yeah, so by, you were still there for a by little the bit. End, by August I had to go because yeah. Bob, Bob Rogers said, do you want to go to Spain? And we, oh, yeah, I left thing, for yeah. Basque Spain. The, the second Bob Rogers film was the 360 film uh-huh. and the client was the Basque government of Spain, the three states in the northeast corner. Oh, yeah. of, you know, what is it? It's where San Sebastián is. Yeah. And... Um, I was like, yeah, of course I will. So that unplugged me from yes. From for, for how long? Like a few I months. Did, that, that project lasted about a year. Oh, a year. That was yeah. what was nice about it. Bob's projects would go for a year plus, oh, yeah. and you'd spend a lot of time like preparing, and then you'd go scout something, go to yes. the location, then you'd do the actual production, and then you'd go into post, and he. You could have a post schedule that was like nine months on yeah. and you, you'd go, I can't believe I get to chill so you out. you still had that connection while working, right? Yeah. You still had that connection. And so that was great. By, by that point, I felt pretty good about coming to L.A. because I'd met the Nickelodeon people, mm-hmm. the Klasky Chupo people, and Bob Rogers. Yeah. And between them, looked like we could maybe get something going. So when did you have, because I thought I remember on, on Red Rat that you already had a drawing or something, a little clay guy of Arnold. Arnold. Yeah. When I made... A, uh, the first Arnold short I did it in Claymation yeah. as soon as I got to LA I, I huh. moved to LA to work for Pee Wee for a few weeks and I'm like now what and I remember it was summer and I was like sheesh man you know, I, I got nothing and I thought I'll just make a film and it was that usual impulse that all of us have where it's like I should create a character yeah. it should be <laughs> and, and I, I had just come off of the Penny cartoons which I love Penny was really a neat technique it was a down shooter camera on a stand and the proscenium where Penny the clay girl was was on a sheet of glass and about two feet under that was uh, a wide area where you could slide in backgrounds oh, and the backgrounds were 2D they'd be cutouts and yeah. I, w- I would draw them with pastels and stuff it was uh-huh. very sometimes I'd even try to animate them like a it was always about transitions picture a, a puppet show you got the puppets up front that's the that's the layer where Penny is but they can't go too far out. They're puppets, right? Yeah. They can't go too far yeah. back. They're in a little space. They're floating on uh-huh. a, a proscenium. Behind them, you can picture the sets rolling in and rolling out. Like, scene change. A bedroom set slides in, right? Or in a, in a puppet show, maybe it would like roll down on a, on a cloth or something. But that same, all the same rules applied. So I thought, well, anything you could tell puppet show style, you could do with this penny technique. So I loved it. And I... Uh-huh. Uh, the first Arnold Shorts, Arnold Escapes from Church, is the one where he's clay and he's sitting in a church pew. So perfect. He and his mom and dad are sitting there in a church pew on the top plane. And behind him, there's room. I'd have stuff flying by. And, uh-huh. so you and, didn't yeah, and the only thing I added to Penny that I thought would be cool, I was like, what, what if there's even one more plane? So I had a sheet of glass a few inches up above Penny, or what, Arnold. <laughs> and and I, would, I would animate stuff in front of that, too. But it's very, you know, it's hard. you got to lift, yes. lift everything elements out and take your, take your one frame or two frames and like put it all back. Yeah. So it, it, it's a great technique. I'm really glad I got to make those films. It was super fun to, to uh, get into indie yeah. animation at all. But, you know, you can see why we work on cartoon shows for yeah. a network. It's, it's so much easier. easier. <laughs> so were you thinking of that for the, for the Pee Wee Herman show, the Arnold character? Or uh, no. You didn't when, think of it? Because sometimes if, 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 you, if you look it up on Wiki or something, it might say that. Some, some, some people say I, I 
I made Penny, wait, I made Arnold while I was making Penny. It really wasn't that way. It was like, I'd work on Penny for a few weeks and then the production would be done. And so yeah. I, I made an animation stand at home. Mm -hmm. And that, that was kind of cool too, just to make an animation stand. But you wanted to do more, right? Yeah, like, I the love Arnold, the... So what was your idea? So I made... At the early Arnold... The you... early Arnold, I made three shorts. Because... Huh. The, the first two were for like the tournée. Well, yeah, it, yeah, I forgot about that. Are they online, these the, shorts? The, yeah, you can go on YouTube yeah, yeah. and find them. The, the, yeah. the three shorts are Arnold Escapes from Church, the Arnold um, Waltz, and uh, Arnold Rides a Chair. And <laughs> each was for a different... The first two were for the tournées of animation, and uh, the third one, Arnold Rides a Chair, was for Sesame Street, who oh. literally got a hold of me and said, Hey, would you like to make... Um, one minute shorts for, for just for our air. And, you know, we run tons of these. And so it was, I think it was $10,000 a minute. And they said, it's $10,000 a minute. If you want to make three, $30,000. <laughs> um, I was like, yeah, sure. And, and also, they said, if you want to use your Arnold character, you can do it without worrying about the rights. Yeah. We, we, won't, we won't do anything with your rights. Yes. So I was like, this is perfect. I'll make a one-minute Arnold cartoon. And then I made two more uh, cartoons at the same time. They were about a little girl named Lillian. But Arnold yeah. was, you know, the, the Arnold it's was... It's like your character. Yeah. While still owning it. It was really, That's... yeah, it was a great opportunity. Yeah. And it was somehow in those first years that I was here. Yeah. And by the time I finished those, Rugrats had gotten going. And, then, and you know, just one thing. Yeah. And one thing led to the next. And you, for sure, the Rugrats job was the most important because that introduced me to Nickelodeon. Yes. And by the time I pitched Hey Arnold to Mary Harrington mm. in 93, when you were working on Rocco, right? Yes, I, start, I had started on Rocco in 93. Uh, by the time I came to the Rocco offices and met with Mary, Arnold had been made for, let's say, three years. I had probably not worked on any more. I'd made Arnold comics. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't dead. It was just kind of hibernating, yeah. kind of my own thing and I think people that's probably happening all the time that people have a cartoon character that they've created and they, they did something with it and then nothing yeah. and then they and you're not sure who to show it yeah, to yeah what is no, this you know yeah. I don't know and, and so I, I showed it to Mary in August so when you showed it to Mary was it already like the show we know not the characters all. and who he was no? not at all none of that had been figured out when I showed it to Mary uh, the it was I had a a VHS sample reel with my Arnold shorts and my Penny shorts on it. And I had comics in my briefcase that were uh, Simpsons Illustrated, which was Matt Groening's magazine for Simpsons. Uh -huh. And Matt was kind enough to say, hey, you want to put an Arnold comic yeah, in yeah, the yeah. back page of the... Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so I did, I probably did about eight of those for Matt for issues of... So Simpsons Arnold was out there. As a yeah. Really but the, if you... So it existed, yeah, which yes, is important. Yes. It yes. existed. It was on Sesame Street now. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and there were there were comics, even though it was hardly like making a splash. Of course, yeah, yeah. it just existed. But uh, but that is interesting as an intellectual property. Now I've been around since '88, uh -huh. and uh, so here we are in '93, and I'd almost not forgotten about it. But you know, it was just we were. But you could show something made, film made. I think that's super cartoons helpful. Printed. Yeah, I always yeah. tell people. Of course, um, if you if you're going out with your pitch, if you can make a little animation, you know, mm -hmm. have a little. Because that, like, animate a little short of your idea if you can, because it'll have your sense of your sensibility, your sense of timing, your yeah. your sense of tone, uh, the kind of music you like, the kind of sound you like, you know, voice work. 
And so I think a film's super helpful. Then, yeah. then they can, it's like a shortcut to, to people understanding what you're talking yes, about. Yes, yes, yes. But I didn't, you know, I didn't have any of that preparation. I had made the short and I had these comics, but when we went to meet with Mary, um, we were in there, five of us, pitching, cool. pitching new ideas. Paul Germain, Joe, and Solomayer, Steve Vixton, Peter Gaffney, John Greenberg, and me. So there was for like a second wave. Yeah. But the first wave was uh, Arnold. Uh, no, no, the first wave was Wayne and Stimpy, right? Uh, Rugrats Doug and, and Doug. Doug. Yeah. And then they were looking for right? the second wave, which turned out to be Rocco and Arnold. And yeah. Arnold came after Rocco after was well established. When yeah. when we came to pitch to Mary, Rocco was booming along. Yeah. It was in production, and uh, the, the meeting was about new ideas that mm -hmm. that were not here. And we, we showed Mary our new ideas. She was very nice. She, she gave us an hour and a half of her time. And yeah. she put out, she knew where a bunch of us were coming. She put out food. We <laughs> sat, sat around a couple of couches and ate, you know, a fruit plate. And Mary, very hospitable. But, you know, we came with these ideas. She's like, man, she didn't like any of them. Yeah. And then, you know, in the, in the awkward pause that followed, somebody said, Craig, show her your penny cartoons. So I got out my sample reel. We put it on. And it started with Arnold Estates from Church. And Mary's like, who is this guy? I love this guy. <laughs> and then she, the, she, I said, well, he's Arnold. And she's like, well, I want to see more of this. And I said, well, I do have these comics. And, and I pulled out a comic book. And the last panel of the like eight-panel uh -huh. um, Arnold story was, the, he, in, the, in the comic, he's riding on roller coasters at some theme park. And everyone's screaming, and Arnold's just sitting there kind of deadpan, like he's not reacting at all. And then he goes home, and it's night, and he wakes up in bed screaming. And that was the gag. And she saw that last drawing of Arnold screaming, and she was like, oh, I will do this. Let's do something with this. And it was really funny, because... Such an instant. Yeah, so nobody had... The first three shows, and then seeing five things, and then here Arnold, that she knew that that was the so, one that was... So that was really cool, and, and like, that never happens. It was really neat yeah. that it happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I felt bad for everybody else, because she didn't want what we had brought. Yeah. She said... She said to me as we walked out, we're like, okay, it was great, and we walked out, and she said in the hall, hey, I want you to come back and talk to me about this art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when we, then we went to lunch, and Paul's like, great. <laughs> Greg sold the show. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, what can I say? Everybody, everybody has their... Oh, that's great. Yeah. And, and it was, you know, when this shit happens, you yeah. jump, you know, you jump right through. She wanted to, she, she liked it, it made her laugh, I, I like this, let's explore this. And then, you know, you think about it. After that, I came in, I did a few drawings. You know, I went home very excited and, yeah, of course, and drew... Yeah. Uh, well, then you would just want yeah, to do tons of Arnold's. I did, I did, the very first drawing was just on a sheet of, you know, a sheet of you know, Xerox right. paper, and it was done in ink pen, and it was uh, the boarding house with the freeway over it, and Arnold and Brown standing down in front. <laughs> and I came in and I said, it's about a kid who lives in the city under a freeway overpass, in an old boarding house with his grandma and grandpa and some eccentric boarders. That was the whole pitch. Oh, but you had that idea when? Yeah, right then. Literally. Oh, right then, really? When, when Mary... So before, uh, before the meeting with Mary, there was no idea of who, Ar who Arnold was? All I thought was he, he would was be... His, his ongoing thing would be he would be a daydreaming kid. Like, oh, I, see. like yeah. I thought, this guy, he's sitting somewhere like at school or church or, you know, at dinner... Yeah. Yeah, boring, and stuff's going, and yeah, boring stuff's happening and, and crazy daydream stuff's happening and then Arnold and he kind of snaps out of it yeah. and, and, and there's a punchline and 
That was all I had. I had done those yeah. comics and I'd done those shorts, but that they were all short gags. So to come back to Mary with an idea for a series, I thought, yeah, I better make more of a yeah. world. So I did. I, I dropped everything that had come before. Like huh. in those comics, you could picture him more in like a, a Peanuts world where yeah. his parents in a suburban house and and having normal kid activities. It's a normal, yeah. And, and to come back with a show idea for Mary, I, I literally went, you know, let's make, drop, just skip that and go straight to uh, a boarding house in a yeah, city. Very different. That's very a, urban really and, different. and kind of gritty. Yeah. And, uh, and the grandma and grandpa can be kind of kooky. And the, the, the weird borders. And which parents, even doesn't have these parents. Yeah, no parents. parents. Yeah. And I remember him, uh, Mary, saying, well, where's his parents? And I said, oh, they're, they're in Africa. They're filmmakers or something. You know, like they're off making nature films. Yeah. And uh, uh, literally pulling that stuff out of my ass. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I did not... I did not know you. They're yet. just not there. You just yeah. wanted to do And I think that is another thing about creating a show that's hilarious and cool. Like, you don't think of everything. Yeah. Maybe you think of some people come in probably really well prepared and they've really they really mapped this out and like the world is gonna be this and here are the details. But I don't think so. I think most people come in, do you like this character? I know that's is this a situation that you would enjoy seeing more of? And then they just start making it. And plus the people you hire on the show yes. come up with things and right. enrich the thing. But now they, you seem like when you pitch a show, they want everything. They want everything set up, ready, every character invented. And, yeah, and, and that, that, you know, that's, I think yeah. it's kind of almost, it's, one, it's not that necessary because it is okay to figure it out as you go. It's organic. And it, yeah, it's more, more mm -hmm. fun for everyone. And it's, it encourages all the people you hire for your crew yeah. because they know they're contributing. Yeah, I mean, I think about the world that Arnold lives in—that detailed urban world. Jeez, man, Brian, <laughs> Mark, you know, Mark, yeah, Brian yeah. was my layouts director. You know that. Uh -huh. We worked with Brian, um, and all the all the background artists. Jeez, Caesar Martinez and and Hugh McDonald yeah. and 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 uh, Al the painters, Al and Kenji and and uh, Doug and. Uh, Steve Lotway came on mm -hmm. in that first season and was just killing making these great backgrounds. And so they're all working with Brian and the, the painters and Brian kind of figuring out and Teal and, mm -hmm. and Simon were the color department and all those people working together to to make a coherent yeah. urban scene. And Jamie Jamie Mitchell's influence in the first yeah. two seasons when he was there, he had very strong ideas about how, how to art direct uh, a color, let color tell a story. And all I had to do was say, you guys, I think it'd be neat if it was it was like ugly but beautiful. Uh -huh. You know, Arnold's Arnold's city world is is old rotting buildings and stuff. But um, but to Arnold, it's beautiful. He gets up yeah, on the roof yeah. and he watches the sunset yes. behind the city, and it's gorgeous. And let's work in like really lush colors. Like let's go for those sunset yellows and and oranges and nighttime blues and uh -huh. and, uh, and like let's make it really beautiful. And uh, you know they all contributed so much, you know, and the artists, all the guys who drew the boards, people really contributed to that yeah. show. Even live action shows, you see live action like on Seinfeld and everything. You just watch the very first episodes and a couple of seasons later, it's much richer. And mm -hmm. every, every aspect, I think every people right. involved bring stuff to it. And, bring you, life. and when something becomes a, a success, everyone feels encouraged and empowered yeah, by that success. Course, yeah. So you can see it. It, things get richer uh -huh. because everyone's like, man, we're on a roll. Yeah. You know? I, I, like, you know, the artists felt terrific. They were like, year after year after year, we get to keep coming back. So 
they got more and more confident mm-hmm. in, their, in their, their ability to get it done. So yeah, it was like a, it got really nice. And you know how it goes, crews, crews come and go. Yeah. It was a very volatile time. The, the artists, it was a real artist market in the yeah. late 90s. 95 is when we went into production of the series. At that time, all the artists were in demand. If, they, if you could storyboard, somebody would hire yeah. you. And so the really uh, the hot ones, the really hot talent, were like, yeah, man, I'll hold out for more pay. I'll go, uh-huh. I'll, I'll, you know. I remember uh, people would make deals. They'd, they'd get a storyboard contract, but they'd say, plus I want like a back end pilot. Yeah, people used to, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. And you know, if, when you think about that yeah. compared to now, that was pretty gung ho, you know. Used to have contracts which they don't, yeah. So they last too long, right? <laughs> yes. So we we benefited from a, a tremendous kind of like bullish mm. uh, animation market. Mm. And so, thank God, the 90s were great for all of us. We all got to you know, make yeah. and make and make. So, Heronel was in production from, like you said, from 95 until when? 2002. Two, yeah. I would say, sometimes when you look it up on Wiki, it'll say till we went till 2003. Yeah. I'm not sure what that means. I think, I think people sometimes will consider production ending when the last episode aired. Because oh, they did like sit on a, a few. Year. Yeah, yeah. yeah a so they sat on a few. Mm-hmm. But the, the model was, for me, for five years in a row, 95, 96, 97, 98, 99, uh, it was, we're ordering 20 more half hours, which will take you almost two years ultimately to finish. So every, every January, we'd start another season, and they started to kind of overlap. Mm-hmm. And so... We were still, I was putting stuff through posts that had started the year before oh, yeah. while we were starting yes, the next thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there were, there were little hiatuses for some of the painters maybe, some of the board teams. They might get a, a month off before they started again. But we, the, the, yeah. me no, making it, there was stuff to do yeah. for eight years. Yeah. And then after 99, in 2000, 2001, and 2002, we were making, we were trying to turn... The, get the movies going. We, we were uh, making in two thousand. In two thousand, we were, we're making movie, what yeah. was a three-part TV movie. It's going to be an hour and a half TV movie out of our last three episodes in the final five five seasons order. That was going to be uh, on TV. But when it got finished, Albie, who was running, mm-hmm. it, took a look at it and said, "Why don't we just do a film finish on this and put it in theaters?" Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that'd be easy. Yeah. And we had already, starting in 2000, I, was, I knew I was going to be in the movie development mm-hmm. business because they felt that, the way they put it, they said, this is how we want to treat our series that we want to go to real franchise. We want them to start with episodes and then uh, movies and then, you know, whatever. Like, yeah, I think yeah. of Spongebob as a model. Yeah. It's like a stage show and a, yeah. you know, Halloween what costumes. Whatever we can do with them, yeah. And, and uh, so they were trying to see if Arnold could go that far. Uh-huh. But I think the mistake that, that we all agreed we made was taking the TV movie and putting it in theaters because it, it looked like a TV movie that mm-hmm. had been mm-hmm. upgraded a little bit, but it did that was tough competition. It was released in June of whatever that was, two thousand two. And you know, that was when mm-hmm. Lilo and Stitch came out right then. Even uh, Powerpuff Girls had a movie that came out the same weekend as us. So we were all <laughs> getting clobbered by the bigger uh-huh. pictures. Lilo and Stitch did fine, but like the lot of little animated things just yeah. got crushed. And so as soon as they got that first weekend's numbers, they're like, "Well, it's not making enough money for it to be to do the next." But it just stopped. So there we were yeah. with uh, the Jungle movie in development. Yeah. For Rami Muskies and I had been and Tuck 
had been working on that stuff in various. I remember seeing tests. Yeah. Because I was in Korea for um, for Oswald. Oh wow! I was directing on Oswald, and I was in Korea, and I guess the studio that I was with, they had they were viewing a test for the Arnold. Movie. So you remember were, the parents you were running in the Ceylon? Yes. Running, yeah. The parents running, and the animation was great. It, it, lo- it did look like a step up from the TV, yeah, you know? yeah, and and uh, exactly the I mean, the look, everything all was this very stuff, rich. right. The way that we were trying to develop the jungle yeah. movie was much more like a film project. Yeah, where, from the know, beginning. Yeah. yeah, working on a story for a long time, putting stuff up on the walls, and and uh, so that didn't work out then. Yeah, because of so the because the TV first movie, movie they, they said, you know what, we're not going to make yeah. more. And you know, from when you talk about how things go in a meeting or at a pitch, I can remember having meetings during the development of the Jungle movie at Paramount. Uh, uh, Sherry Lansing was the, was running Paramount then, and she went into her office to talk about the the Jungle movie, and she said, um, "This this series is gonna this is gonna be a franchise. We're gonna make five, ten of these. We're gonna we're gonna be here. You'll be here at Paramount making these movies for the next decade, easy." <laughs> And I, I walked out into the parking lot, and I was like, oh, "I gotta call everyone. I can't, I can't believe this. This is so wonderful. I was so high." And you know, and then, then later yeah. they'll never call you again. So you realize well, it's a tough, it's a cutthroat business where if you're winning, you go on and on. Mm-hmm. As soon as you stumble, maybe they'll never call you. Yeah. Again. So I was, it was hard for me. The, the, all that stuff was painful, and yeah. I, I wanted to. Uh, I, I wanted it. I wanted everything to work and yeah. go and go. But you just it, there's a million things happening. There's a lot of moving parts. And, mm-hmm. and uh, the coolest thing about the Arnold saga was that in in uh, you know three or four years ago, mm-hmm. yeah, they, everybody got back into yeah. the reboot business, and we got to make our Jungle movie. So after the after the the so the show ended when the when the movie didn't work out. Yeah, that was literally the show. See ya. Yeah. I, I, what's funny? I'm trying to think. God, I can't remember. I think we were done. I don't think there was anything more going on at Nick, but it would be funny if we were still putting uh, like the journal through post because that would be really ironic. You know, the, 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 the prequel that we made at the very end of the Arnold series, we made an hour-long prequel called The Journal that was supposed to set up the whole Jungle oh, yeah. story. And it ends with a cliffhanger where he finds a mask. Yes. And it, it was, it, it and was, kind, of, it was <laughs> kind of hilarious in a way. Even now I can see the humor of of me going, let's end with him finding a map and going, you know, Grandma, Grandpa, I found the map. And the music goes, like, what's gonna happen? And then just like turn the lights out and, and never come back. <laughs> for years. And so there was something funny about it. And it was me daring Nick and Paramount to not make the jungle movie. I was like, look, yeah. look here, here, I just delivered this. It kind of cracks me up, the whole thing. Even, even the lack of oversight where Things are so weird. They, they didn't even didn't even concern anybody on on the executive level um, that the journal is gonna set up something that is yeah. now not happening. Didn't even occur to no, people. They're it's like, just numbers. Yeah, they don't care. Yeah. And and so the irony of, of doing this creative work in a world that's kind of an uncaring world. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, sort, yeah, of, yeah. sort of a oh, cruel yeah. world. Um, there's something about that that's kind they of. They do something for kids. You care about the audience. Yeah. We can't let them down. Yeah. But it's yeah, you know, just like just another place for yeah. feelings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then you left, obviously, Nickelodeon, and uh, you I went, went to, to Cartoon I followed Network, Linda Semensky. Oh, Linda had gone over to Cartoon Network, and okay. I, I had, I had been over there for a while trying to develop stuff. Mm-hmm. You did and, like a Western. Yeah, I did. Like I made a, 
I made a pilot for Linda called Party Wagon. Uh-huh. And it's set in 1850 in the American West. And it, it, it asks the question, what if in a wagon train of, you know, like what you classic idea of a wagon train full of these sort of stuffy, uptight pioneer types. There was one wagon that was in the back and it was the party wagon. And it was where like the crazy, drunken, you know, uh-huh. hell raisers all hung out in this one wagon. And uh, it was forever getting kicked off of wagon trains and never making it west because they kept trying to hook up with wagon trains that were too uptight to handle it. <laughs> and that was the pitch. And I, I pictured it like a series where the characters in the party wagon were forever trying to get west. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Linda said, okay. And Mike Lazo, too, was, was my boss. And Mike was the, probably the gatekeeper who said, okay, let's yeah. make this. And so they did make the pilot. Yeah, we made yeah. a we made a thirty minute pilot. Yeah, and then so it was for a slightly older audience. Yeah, it was yeah. going to be for for you know teens. Who knew teens yeah, or yeah, whatever? Yeah. We'll see if it was going to work. And um, when it got made, they said we're not going to go to series. And I was, and they go, but we are going to go to movie. So you've made a half hour. How about if you extend it? Yeah. two more half hours, and we make a movie. So we made the TV movie really over the next. We did couple years. So I have a. 75 minute, you know, fully animated yeah. uh, 2D movie called Party Wagon. And then nothing happened to it? There was never aired? No, they aired it. Or they but, aired you know, it, yeah. I, you know, they aired it and that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, goodbye. Because I remember when we heard about that with a bunch of friends, we're like, it's the creator of Arnold. So <laughs> yeah. it, just, it doesn't matter what, you know, it's, it's a huge hit for Nickelodeon. If someone, that person comes with another, another idea, you jump on it. Yeah. It, it was funny about that, that because that's, that makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, if you're talking about... Business sense. This, yeah. It's a business. You but know? What I find really funny about that is the assumption that because you made something that went on and on and was a big hit, doesn't, still doesn't matter. It's like you still, <laughs> you, you know, what's your next idea? Do we like it? If, if we don't... People are, you know, I kind of can't blame them. They, it's it's kind of like of Seinfeld said, I want to do a thing with the GoPros in a car. And <laughs> you're, you're my friends are, yeah, sure, sure, whatever. Whatever your idea is, we'll make it. That's you know? true. I think you're right. If you're Jerry Seinfeld or... Or, or any slide action or something, they yeah, trust people. I, I feel like it's at different. a certain level, even the even impossible happens. But, but still, for, I mean, for, for us for animators, man, we're only as good as our next very idea. Strange, yeah. And I really think that's true, and probably will always be so. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe someone like Matt Groening or yeah, like or these mega giant hits, like with a mega hit. Yeah, maybe then whatever you want yeah. to make next. But boy, I've never found that to be true. So after that pilot, <laughs> you obviously well didn't stay at Cartoon yeah, Network. Yeah, I, 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 I did. I did. I tried to hang out, but there, you know, yeah. I, I pitched more stuff, but nothing stuck, and so mm-hmm. it just kind of like eh, I just ran out of ideas there, yeah. and figured I was not connecting. And luckily, Linda, you know, the next thing that happened was in, in the, in the, I, I wrote, Joe, Joe Purdy and I wrote a couple of uh, uh, movie scripts together and just were doing things like that. But somewhere in there, Linda finally, I think I had, but it took a while. I was over mm-hmm. here, 2006, I think I came over here to, uh, to Henson to be a story editor for them. Joe and I yeah. were both working here, and as, as I said, we were happy mm-hmm. to have the work. It was great to have a weekly paycheck. So things have been pretty slow for a while. Yeah. Right? Working on ideas, but nothing. After the, the cartoon. And Linda, it was Linda's call when I was here at Hanson saying, hey, remember that dinosaur train idea you had? And so that was a very quick trip from, she wants it, that means that I can air it on PBS. I told Hallie and, and Lisa Henson, Hallie Stanford and Lisa Henson mm-hmm. here, I got a 
and it's good to go. All, yeah. all we have to do is agree to do it. And they said, to make it what hit. is it? Yeah. Sure. And so in a, probably three months, I, I, I wrote up a Bible and, and drew the initial designs for a dinosaur train, made a couple of little pieces of art. It's really funny now when I, you know, now I work on Cintiq and, and yeah. digital. It's been yes. going on for a while. But back then, I literally was still drawing in Prismacolor pencil uh-huh. and watercolor <laughs> on, on you know, straps of paper. <laughs> Like like funky watercolor little squares, and I'd bring I'd bring they look like little colored comps from the old days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'd bring I'd bring a couple of those. I brought one of uh, I love those pieces of art. One is of the the, the nest on the cliff at Pteranodon Terrace, where Buddy the T Rex baby is being raised by a family of Pteranodons. And the other picture was the train. It was a dinosaur train with the conductor oh. leaning out, a, a troodon, as we decided to yeah. make the. The smartest dinosaurs were troodons because they had the biggest brains, and so the conductor is a main character, and he's leaning out, and Buddy and Tiny and Mrs. Pteranodon are standing in the, and I these two pieces of art, just little illustrations. Yeah, of and yeah. I brought and I had a little Bible we'd made. There's probably yeah. a few pages with some Xerox. So you had a little more than the Hermel pitch. You, you, you yes, little, I was. World, the I had finally, I had finally learned <laughs> enough to know. You need to come with the world, and and like yeah, to me a, a show Bible should have. An opening page with like a piece of splash art that kind of shows you the whole world, uh-huh. and then the, the rest of the page is like, what is it? And then inside would be who you know who are the characters? Yeah. And your main characters get a page each of of yeah. what they're about with their image, and then the, the secondary characters maybe a couple more pages of that with some little short log lines about who mm-hmm. they are, and then maybe five six story ideas for episodes, yes. each yes. getting a little log line. Yeah. That only takes up another couple pages. I, I just put together a couple of show Bibles for pitches. They finally end up being 16 to 18 pages, I think, because I'm doing more art, yeah. like more ideas about it. But that's the essentials for me always. And I, I've grown it over the years. Arnold, nothing. And mm-hmm. finally I came in with another drawing and a couple of, maybe a couple pages of what it could be. Yeah. Uh, dinosaur Train, more like, you know, a half dozen pages of stuff, uh-huh. and a couple pieces of art. And then uh, by now, I, it's more like, I think it's because we're working digitally. It's much easier. It's easier more. It's easier to build your yeah. Even storyboard. You do storyboard digitally. You, you, you do more posing and stuff. Yeah, it's easier to move right. I find that it's the mm-hmm. ease of the tools that yeah. make you make you get more done. So that's evolved for me, but I still have no idea. I, I hardly think of myself as an authority about how to sell a show. <laughs> I feel like every time I sold a show, it would either be like a a cool in you know. Hooking up with a friend like Linda for Dinosaur yeah. Train, where it's like, hey, remember we talked about that? I'd love to have something like that. Yeah. Well, here's a couple drawings. Well, that's good. What if you did this? I have a couple questions for you. And by the time, by the time we got back from that trip to, we went to Washington D.C. Howie and I went to Washington and I showed them the art. By the way, I also had a CD of the main title song. Did you know the Dinosaur Train song? That's something that I wrote and sang. And so yeah. when you yeah. see Dinosaur Train, um, it's me singing. Uh-huh. And so I brought him a CD of that, and I, I gotta say that really helped. Linda, Linda said she called me from a couple day, or emailed me a couple days later and said, "Well, everyone's in the hall singing the Dinosaur Train song." So I think something that people the don't music expect. hook, and it is something uh-huh. they don't expect. And I have since then. That would have been. 2007. Mm-hmm. Since then, now like when I go to DC, I bring my guitar and and oh, kind really? of part of, part of the excuse me, I'm about to sneeze. 
<laughs> False alarm. Okay. I guess not. Part of the uh, the fun of of presenting these kids shows, Dinosaur Train and then Ready Jet Go, both for PBS, is songwriting, being involved, making the main title song, singing it, and then I can perform it. Like I'll bring a guitar. Yeah, of course. And, yeah. and on both cases, Dinosaur Train and Ready Jet Go, we took our main title that we've made, Jim Lang and I. The Arnold composer, Jim yeah. Lang and I made the main title for Dinosaur Train and for Ready Jet Go. Then it's like there's backing tracks. I'll make a karaoke version. I'll call it where oh, yeah. the main vocal is is not in the mix, but and all the other instrumentation it. is. So I'll sing it and I'll ah. play the guitar, and it's kind of a multimedia presentation. It kind of makes it go 3D. Uh -huh. it, it brings you out and into yeah. the audience a little bit, and they love it. And in their minds. Now it wouldn't maybe not something like for Nickelodeon and it's an older audience maybe yeah, not, yeah, you yeah. know there's a lot of factors but in the case of these kid shows for PBS uh, I get to write the songs and uh -huh. I write them with Jim or in the case of uh, Dinosaur Train I'm writing them with Mike Hamelstein and Mike Turner um, there's something about that it keeps me in it and kind of kind of have a hand in the in the, the yeah. music and it helps me to solidify that presentation. When I go to PBS, I go to the annual meeting, and when the new show is ready, we, we pitch the whole show, and I'm up there, you know, ding, 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 yeah. and on the guitar, I think that makes people go, oh, it's his show. I, I, yes, I, that's I, true. You know, the whole that's thing true. about authorship of the idea is fundamental. Well, that was my conversation with Craig Bartlett. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, you can visit the site cartoonlunch.com where you can listen to the podcast again, but also see uh, a few pictures of Craig and, and where he's working at. He's working now at the Jim Henson studio, which used to be the, the Charlie Chaplin uh, place in Hollywood. And also, uh, I caught a couple of films, a little uh, videos of Craig explaining the birth of Arnold, how he pitched the show to, to Mary Harrington at Nickelodeon, etc. So... Um, it's interesting on uh, cartoonlunch.com and I hope you join us for the next episode thank you <laughs>